Good morning. Y'all good? I'm excited about this message. Uh, it's Palm Sunday, and um, as we were singing down here and some of the songs that we were singing, uh, reminded me, says, God, God you, you've, you've, you've never let me down. And I, and, I, and I just couldn't help but believe that there are people in, in, in the room that somehow view, view it as if God let you down. Somewhere in your past you feel like, well, God's forgot about me or, or he's let me down. And, and I was reminded, and I just wrote this down. It's not in, it's, I'm not even starting my sermon. I'm just getting into something that I think God wants to reveal this morning. He says, Jesus says on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you go, well, Jesus, Jenna. And the truth of the matter is, he, he, he didn't let Jesus down. It was just part of the plan. He didn't let Jesus in on the no. He didn't let him down. He gave him the plan. Jesus knew what the plan was. He was carrying out the plan. The Father just didn't know. let him know that Everything was what it was going to be like to have everything put on him. He knew it was going to be horrific, but he didn't know what it was going to be like to have the sin of the world on his shoulders. And sometimes God's got a destiny for you that he's not going to give you all the information because you ain't going to be able to handle it. But he will never leave you or forsake you. And, and there is a resurrection. There is life afterwards and so I just want to encourage you this morning that God's got a plan for you he loves you and that brings us to the place of of Palm Sunday now if you've got your Bibles you can start with Matthew chapter 21 and that that is the beginning of the triumphal entry which is really the beginning place of the the last week of Jesus life here on earth and for me for me, I love, I love, I love going through, you know, Jesus' last week of, of living. You know, if you knew you were going to die in seven days, or actually five, wouldn't you be about what was the most important message that you could be about to everybody that you came in contact with? I've got, I've got this nugget I've got for you. Here it is. Boom. Every time you saw somebody, you'd give them everything you had in that last time. That's what Jesus does. So as we look at this, I want to be reminded that, that the Easter message is a message of triumph. You know, so oftentimes we, we look at the Easter message and we see the work of the cross, and, and it has this, it has this, um, it has this, Hard, hard to look at message, it seems to be attached to it because of the brutal death in which Jesus died. And we need to be reminded today that the message isn't, I suffered for you, you owe me. It said, I love you so much that I'm willing to suffer. There's a major difference in, in how, how that comes across. And when we start thinking about, you know, I suffer so much so you owe me, then we really miss the message of, of, of Easter, and that is it's a message of triumph. And, and that starts 
in Matthew chapter 21. And it is the, it's the place where Jesus tells his disciples to go get the colt. Let's look at what it says. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Beautiful passage of Scripture. It is, it's, it's precious to me because Jesus not only knows what they're about to face, he already knows that the cult's there, he also knows the response is going to be there. And then he even gives the answer to, to the, the question that's going to be raised. What are you doing? Well, I'm taking this. Okay, go ahead. He, he, he even knows that that's going to happen. And then he says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Zechariah, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them, and they set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. There's this triumphal entry. And if you don't, if you don't really understand uh, what was going on in that culture? The whole the whole idea of Hosanna has the idea of a, a, a of a Messiah that saves. So so what they're saying is Messiah saves, Messiah saves, and it's a message of triumph. And that's the message that Jesus wants us to have uh, this Easter is that I, I saved, I, I came to bring you freedom. What amazes me about this story is that Jesus made absolutely sure that he carefully adhered to the Father's plans. If you, if you look at the life of Jesus and if you'll go through the Gospels, you're going to discover that Jesus did everything that was prophesied about him in the Old Testament. And he made sure he did it exactly the way it was prophesied. And he even referred to it as he went along. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure that I, that I do everything right. And so go get that colt. And so the message of Easter is a, is a mes message of victory. It's a message of triumph. What, what is it in your life this Easter that you need to be reminded that you need victory, that you need triumph in? I need, I need triumph in this. I, I need victory in this. There, there are places, Cheryl, just pray that I've got this, this mountain of mess that I've created, that I need victory. I need triumph. Well, Messiah's come to save. There's good news. Jesus comes to bring salvation. He comes to heal and to rescue us. And so when we are in church and when we go through Easter, we meet, need to make sure that our interpretation of Easter is the interpretation that Scripture is trying to get us to believe. 
Our interpretation of the triumphal message of Christ is formulated by our influence. You have this perception of Easter. You have this, this whole idea of Messiah saves. You have this whole concept of church based on how you were influenced. And it's important that you are influenced by the word of God in such a degree that you receive the message of victory in the way the message of victory was imposed through Scripture. And so oftentimes we get that a little jostled up. I want to tell you, when I was younger, I had a, a total misview of what it mean to, meant to be a Christ follower. You know, so oftentimes we are, we are influenced wrongly by the culture in the church even. And so, and so I knew and I uh, acknowledged that Jesus was Messiah. And I acknowledged that Messiah saves. And so I had the attitude, I had, I had the point of view in life, and I, I went about life going, you know, you know, I'm good. I'm good with Jesus. Uh, you know, um, I, I know I'm, I'm sinning, but, but Jesus died for my sin. Messiah saved me from my sin, and I know I probably shouldn't do this mess, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's kind of fun for this season. And, and, you know, Messiah, he saves, and so I'm good. I'm good with God. There are so many people in the church that think like that. I can do what I want to do because it's fun right now. <laughs> because Messiah saves. And he does. He, he does save. But that's not what he came to do. He came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. He didn't come to, to rescue you from, from uh, this lack of, of repentant lifestyle that so many people leave, live. He came to bring you a different kind of life. And I want to talk just a minute about that. How did you formulate your opinion on the mission of Christ? Well, when the Jews in this time frame saw what Jesus was doing and he came in on the cult, they had their own point of view of what Messiah was and who Messiah was. And there were multiple point of views. One of the point of views was that, and they and still is today, they set a table for Elijah, that there's got to be an Elijah come. And Jesus said, John the Baptist, I tell you the truth, it's Elijah, and there's no greater prophet than that. But they hadn't recognized that part yet. And so they're thinking as Jesus is coming in on the donkey that here comes Messiah. He, he's going to save. And what he was going to save them from was the Roman government. He, he was going to be established as king supreme, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, including the Roman government. Some of them saw Jesus coming as the second coming and not the first coming. And so there, there was misconception, just, just like it was because, because they didn't have the whole story. Well, today we've got a whole different point of view that, that is trying to to weave its way into the church that I'm convinced that my job is to warn you about severely. 
as, as people try to massage sin and not call it sin and act as if you could be in right relationship with God and not address sin. And, and, and that is contrary to the message of Easter. And, and, and we've got to be aware, we've got to be careful because what we're influenced by is what formulates our opinion. Where you get your information matters. Who you associate with matters. And it better line up with Scripture. Everything that you believe about Easter better line up with Scripture. I can, I can, I'm just thinking of a couple of thoughts that people have to have at Easter. What they've got to decide at Easter is that, that Jesus isn't really God. And there really is no God. Or that he is God. Or if he isn't God, that there's got to be some other God. So you have to kind of come to a place at Easter, it hits everybody right in the face, is that you've got to make some semblance of a decision of whether you believe that Jesus was God. And if you don't, there's really only two ways you could come to that. You come to that with believing there might be another God, which Jesus says there is no other. So if somebody else is God, then Jesus certainly isn't God. But the thing that you've got to do is you've got to make sure that you're not putting yourself on the place that you're God. Because if you decide that there is no God, what you are saying really is that I am going to establish myself in my life as God. Because I'll be the one who makes the decisions. I'll be the one who decides what's going to happen. I'm the one who's going to decide what's going on in my life. There's another group of people, I think, that are in the church today or in our culture today, and that's those who say, hey, I acknowledge Jesus. I'm just going to refuse to, to adhere to company policy. And that's a dangerous place. But there are a lot of people who, who think that they can approach the Holy of Holies with an attitude that says, I acknowledge Jesus as Savior. I'm just not going to do what he asked me to because it's unrealistic or it's too hard. And so I'm just going to continue on with life. And so it really matters how we formulate our opinions and what we allow to influence. And one of the things the Lord is telling me right now, as the church in America, we better adhere to this policy or we're going to be a lost generation in, in, a, in, a, in a bad place in the church in America. And so there's this message of triumphal entry and the message that the Messiah saves. There's an importance on interpreting that message of Christ, that Jesus, that Jesus saves. He is Messiah. He, he saves. But then there's a whole other message of Easter, and that is how we as the church are going to communicate the message of God to the world. The message of Christ is great news. 
It's, it's really good news. Messiah saves, seems to be really good news, doesn't he? He brings rescue and healing and abundance and protection and provision and safety. Salvation comes with Jesus. Jesus fought for that message. He made sure that he, he adhered to all the prophecy in Scripture. He fought for that message, and he was willing to die for that message. He says, he says I counted all joy to go about this assignment that the Father has for me. I love them so much that it brings me joy to do this message. I'm willing to die. There's no greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. What's really interesting is the disciples understood that. And they fought for this message. And they died for it. And, and they didn't want it to be watered down. They made sure that, that we adhered to the message of Jesus, the good news of Christ. And the truth is the church today is in a place where they've got to fight and die for the message. We're in a place where we've got to fight and die for the message. John chapter 12, verse 23. I've got this in the, in the New Living Translation. Listen to what Jesus said about the church and about, and, and about our mission-mindedness. He says this, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels and plentiful harvest of new lives. This is the message of Jesus. This is the good news. And then he says this. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Now, now he moves it from himself and his picture to the picture of the church. Those who love their lives in this world, they'll lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. There's a, there's a place of, of falling to the ground and recognizing the fact that we're on mission. That you, you're called and you're called to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in the way that he presents it, and that is a triumphal victory. It's an important message that we've got to get out that needs to stay pure, and the only way for it to stay pure is to die to ourselves and our own mission. And so we communicate that triumphal message to the world by recognizing our call. Now, there are very few people who are called to the pulpit. There's just very few. There, there are very few who can, who can lead worship like these guys lead worship. There's just very few. But we're called to the church. We're called to, to be the church. We're called to the family of God, and that is called the church. And, and we're to gather, but we're also to represent the, represent the triumphal message. We're to continue the triumphal message, and it's carried out by the church side by side. You see, the, the church is, no matter how dysfunctional the church gets, there, there are several solutions that just aren't good. 
and that is one of them, and the most modern solution today is this. I just won't gather with the body, and nobody has this problem here much, but, but, but it's out there. And I'm warning you, don't be influenced by it. It's a terrible place to be. I don't have to gather with the body of Christ. I could just watch online. It is impossible to carry the message and to grow in the message of Christ without gathering with a body of believers. It's absolutely impossible to do. Now, we're glad you're watching online if you are watching online, but we want you to come. We invite you. Come on. We'll be open next week, same time. <laughs> same bat channel, right? <laughs> but there's this thing that I don't have to be associated with a body of believers. And it's impossible to grow. Jesus says, you can't communicate the message I want you to communicate in this, this triumphal move of God because what you have to do is you have to be transformed. Now, one of the things we tell the staff all the time, and I mentioned this in a small group on Wednesday night, is that, that our job is not just to preach. Our job is not to play music, our jo- even though we do and we want to do it with excellence. But our job is to be, be, be being transformed in front of people. We, we need to be a part of the church, and we need to be being transformed in front of you so that you can see that God's still alive and he's being transformed. See, the church was never meant to, to be accusational. When we, when we fight... For the things in the Word of God, and when we communicate this triumphal uh, message to the world side by side, we cannot force people to believe what we believe. It, it has been going on for centuries. In 1500s, the, the Spanish came up from New Mexico, from Mexico and New Mexico, and they tried to force the Indians to believe in Christianity. And they would give them a matter of minutes. You either convert to Christianity or we're going to believe you're from the devil. And they killed Indian after Indian, just hundreds and thousands of Indians because they wouldn't receive Christ. You cannot force a group of people to believe because that's not believing at all. You have to believe in your heart. You have to be transformed. It's a, it's, a, it's a transformation process because the Spirit of God comes and resides in you. You can't be the same. So you can't force people to believe. And you can't expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. They have no reason to. Why would they adhere to the principles of the Bible if they don't believe that Jesus is God? It doesn't make any sense what we try to do sometimes. God says the church needs to be the church. And you need to gather and be being transformed into my image will bring you success and victory. And you'll be prosperous in everything you do. And as you gain this, people will see that the blessing and the hand of God is upon you, and they'll be jealous and want what you have. 
That's the message of the church. That's the focus of the church. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died so that we could be carriers of the message of Christ. And we can't carry the message of Christ without the Spirit of God. We read it just a minute ago. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's, it's a supernatural event. So we're never going to force America to adhere to biblical principles. But we can't shrink back. You can't shrink back. Well, you just said we can't force. No, you can't force. But you do not water your beliefs down. You believe and you're willing to die for your beliefs. And you will not be stirred. There, 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 there's nothing that's going to convince the world to love God other than love. It's, there's no force that can do it. And if the church will do its job and begin to grow, we get to vote in this country. So vote. We're blessed to live in America. But we can't force Christian principles on unchristian people. You can't do it. It doesn't make sense. But we can influence them by the triumphal message of Jesus Christ and being transformed into the image of God. That's our only hope. That's our only hope. It's called sanctifying yourself. It's called setting yourself apart. It's called being holy as he is holy. Making sure that everything that's prophesied in this Bible about the church is a testimony of your life. Jesus made sure that happened. He said, I'm going to make sure all this happened. All the way to the cult. All the way to the dude that knows that you're going to ask for the coat and is going to say, what are you doing? And <laughs> God already knows. He already knows the future of this country, this nation. And he also knows that the hope of this nation and every other nation is the willingness of the church to be conformed into the image of Christ, which was the message of Easter. And that is... I've got triumph. Messiah saves. He restores. He brings healing. He brings health. And so our job is to build the church. It's to build the church. What, what we're trying to do here at Eastside Church is it's difficult because we're trying to operate in all the spiritual gifts. We're trying to give you room to do ministry. We're trying to do all these things. We're trying to include you in every aspect of things. And, and the only way that you're ever going to feel like you're part of the family or grow with us or do what God asks you to do well is you've got to serve somewhere in this body. You've got to get yourself plugged in on a regular basis, and you've got to serve in this body somewhere and grow with the people that you're serving with. 
You know, you gotta, you gotta pray for each other. You gotta share each other's burdens. You gotta talk about what's going on in life and you gotta begin to pray and believe God that he's gonna save because he's Messiah. You gotta build the church and, 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 we, and we, uh, we, we develop thrive groups because of what it says in Acts and that is they met corporately and then they met house to house. And so we've got Thrive groups everywhere that are meeting house to house, and there's some amazing groups. We do one at my house, and there's no more room. The police are already coming. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great experience to, to grow with each other. You need to get plugged into a Thrive group. If you're not plugged into a Thrive group, you can't build, help build the church. And the church is the only thing that's going to save this nation. And so, you, you know, you will say, I want the nation saved, but I don't want to participate. Well, it ain't going to get saved unless you participate, right? In, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through this, there's, it's so beautiful when you see, when you see what happened in Easter and you see the culture and, and you see what people expected about Jesus, what they thought about Jesus and what he wasn't. And, and, and what somehow the, the church culture gets it still messed up a little bit sometimes. But the world certainly still gets it messed up. And you see the very same things in the New Testament, but you also see it all the way back in Nehemiah's day. Ne Nehemiah is, is rebuilding the church. And, and the things that are going on are pretty amazing to me. There, there's this dude, his name is Sam Ballot. And he was very angry when they learned that, that, that they were, that it says we, I love this, that we were rebuilding the walls of, the, of, of Jerusalem and the temple. He flew into a rage and he began to mock the Jews. You can see this in the media, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day? By just offering a few sacrifices, they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that. And then Tobiah and an Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked on the top of it. They, they, were, just, they were just giving them a fit for even a tempting to do this. It later says that, that Nehemiah rallied the people of God. And, and it says the, the Wallace family worked right beside the Nevitt family, which worked right beside the Brett family. And I'm trying to think of names as I'm going down the line, and it's not easy to do with a mic in your hand. But anyway, you know, they're side by side by side by side. What do we need to do? Well, you need to take care of this little area right here, and you need to make sure that it's healthy. Why? Because we're building the church. If we don't build the church, it's not going to get healthy. If the church didn't get healthy, our nation's not going to get healthy. So we need you to create an environment around here of faith, which there is, but it's growing. We're going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to grow in all that. 
And God said, I need a team that builds the church that can actually become the kind of church that can make a difference, that can influence people's way of thinking about why I sent Jesus into the world. It's a, it's a message of triumph, a message of victory, and they see us being transformed and having great success. They, they see us having faith in God even when life isn't great. Even when there are mountains, we're immovable because we believe in what this says and we will not be shaken. There's a message at Easter that says this book is still good. This book is still important. This book is still right. No matter who's making fun of you for believing it, who's out there saying, what are these Christians thinking? What are they doing? Calling something that is an abomination to God that you define as abomination to God because you've seen it in the Word and just ridiculing you because you have that belief system. God is saying to the church, stand firm. Stand firm. Don't be shaken. The message is still the message. This Easter... This Easter. I think there are people in the room who really need to make a commitment to die to your own way of thinking. No matter how or who influenced you into that way of thought and align yourself with the word. Some need to some need to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For the first time, some, some need to get off this idea that somehow he let you down. He didn't give you all the information, but he's never left you. He still has plans for you, and they're good plans. And there's nothing you can do to disqualify yourself other than reject him. Other than saying, I, I see you as God, but I will not he adhere to company policy. Or, I don't believe you're God. Therefore, I promote myself to God, and I'll do what I want to do. I just want to ask you to make a decision today to follow Christ with everything you've got so that the reason he came can actually play out in your life. So that this community, this city, this nation has a chance to repent and come back to God. Would you agree with me on that? Now, just a minute. I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead and bow your head. Bow, bow your eyes, bow your head. I'm just going to ask, if you would say that I'm the one who feels like God has abandoned me 
and he hasn't been faithful to me. Would you just raise your hand? You say, I, I feel like God has abandoned me. Would you raise your hand in this place? I know that there are people here that feel like God has done that. Anybody in here that has said, yeah, I believe that Jesus is Lord, but I just can't adhere to his policies. I just don't like what he says. And you can identify with that. Anybody can identify with that? Yeah. Anybody else? How about, I don't, I, I, I've known Jesus was God, but I've rejected it and I've made myself God. And I'm ready to relent on that. Anybody else want to do that today? Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the Easter message. I thank you, God, that it's a message of triumph. That as Jesus saves... Thank you, Jesus, that you love me so much that you were willing to die for me. I thank you, Lord, that you've got plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. I thank you for that, God. say today that I need to believe God to move mountains. Would you say that? I, I need to believe God to move mountains all over the place. Yeah. Father, right now, we just say mountain move in Jesus' name. Go ahead. We say mountain move in Jesus' name. Father, right now, I pray for creative solutions. Father, I pray for supernatural movement that doesn't make any sense. Just supernatural movement that doesn't make sense. Father, as we go into this week, this Easter week, this, this time of holiday, oftentimes spring break is upon families and we have time together. I pray, Jesus, that, that it wouldn't be a time of mourning, but a time of rejoicing. I pray, God, that it wouldn't be a time where we condemned ourselves or a time of shame, but a time, God, of great joy and hope that there's triumph. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Messiah saves me. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you today. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.